By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, and all the hosts of them by the breath of his mouth. He gathereth the waters of the sea together as an heap. He layeth up the depth in storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spake, and it was done. He commanded, and it stood fast. The Lord bringeth the counsel of the heathen to naught. He maketh the devices of the people of none effect. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The thoughts of his heart to all generations. Welcome this morning. It is great to be here, and I am thrilled to see so many people here. We will forego an opening this morning because Phil and Nancy have decided to put their membership here at Cornerstone, so we're going to do that at the end of this worship service, so that'll give us a little bit more time. Um, so that's why I'm up here by myself. Normally we would have an opening, and it feels kind of awkward, but we'll keep going here. I do, however, not want to forego having a prayer. So, Zeb, I'm going to call on you to pray here to begin. And as we normally do, let's take prayer requests. Uh, what do you have specifically that you would like us to pray for or praise the Lord about? I would suggest that we keep in mind the missionaries in Haiti that were kidnapped 37 days ago. Um, I admit that there have been a few days of those 37 days I forgot to pray about it, so let, let's keep them in mind. This is uh, pretty important to pray about. Carla. The men in Honduras, uh, Gary, my father-in-law, and Zach, and Brian Struber are down there helping uh, Brad and Crystal. So let's remember to pray for them. They're coming back next week. If there's nobody else, let's bow in prayer, Zeb.
I titled the message today, God is Omnipotent. And I suppose it would be helpful to give you some of the thoughts that I, that I had that, that brought me to this topic. Um, last weekend, I attended, along with some of the other um, of your Cornerstone leadership team, the Anabaptist Awareness Symposium on Sexual Abuse. And this was part of, or in conjunction with, the Dunkard Brethren Church Leadership Conference. Uh, so for four days, we focused on this topic of sexual abuse. And as you may um, think or understand, uh, this it's kind of heavy when you're spending that much time focused on very important very needed, very glad I was there. But that was Thursday, Friday, and most of the day Saturday. And then after that symposium ended, we went to the Lidditz Congregation Church and the Dunkard Brethren continued on with topics or with, with messages on this topic. And I found myself Sunday morning when we continued to have this, sitting in church and like I said, this, this is a very important topic. We need to pay close attention. And I just wanted to praise God. And I felt it. It's like, sorry, brother, that's speaking. But, and it wasn't like I wanted to forget everything I had learned. Um, but there was this heaviness in my spirit. And I... I I didn't really identify at all. I was trying to pay attention and not get distracted. But I, I really just wanted to praise God. And it took me until Friday of this week, I realized I remembered the verse in Isaiah, Isaiah 61.3, among other things that God gives us, he gives us the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. I hadn't even remembered that verse. And this, this spirit just came over me in that, in that service I need to praise God. Um, and I need to praise God first for who he is. We talked about Thanksgiving, a lot of us, in our Sunday school. And that's a very pertinent topic for next week coming up. We need to be thankful. But first off, I wanted to just think about, for a worship service this morning, really who God is. And that... That word come to me, we've been studying Revelation, and the word omnipotent appears in the Bible one time, and that is in Revelation 19, so we would have just went over this, where there's a multitude of people in heaven praising God, saying, the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. So when, when you have a heavy spirit, for whatever reason, for whatever the afflictions are that, that we're dealing with in this world... Consider, and th this is what I did this week, and I, I want us to do that too, consider who God is. Um, I found then that once I did that, and, and hopefully you'll all get to that next week, I started to, to realize all of the things that he had done for me, and it made me very thankful. But so many times I approach it, and I see the things that God did for me, and so I praise him for my family. He, he gave me a good family. This is great. I praise him for that. I want to think about um, who God is. 
I, I also thought about why that was so heavy. I, I think this is important to mention about that symposium. And, and yet, why it, it felt like I wanted to praise. And I remembered uh, 1 John 1, 8, verses 8 and 9. Uh, so you can open to that. So you may say, well, um, why attend a symposium like this on the topic of sexual abuse? And as I was there and attended it, I realized what was happening were these verses right here. Uh, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And I realized that the heaviness, I'm feeling like the cleansing is not always easy. And I would... I would bring that to life by, by telling this story I, I experienced several years ago. I was working on a construction site, and I think I was putting up the dividers in the bathroom, and they're made out of metal, and you had to drill holes in them. And I had my drill, and I was getting it as hard as I could, and, and I misjudged where my hand was, and I drilled through, and the drill bit went right in my hand. There's still a scar there. If you was close enough, you could see it. I, don't, I won't forget that for a while, but what else I won't forget is when I went to the doctor to have him take a look at it, because at first I was like, I don't need to take a look at this, but then that was, kept hurting, so it was probably a good idea. And uh, she got out this syringe with a little tube on the end of it, and, and she's like, well, we need to get this cleaned up. And before we x-ray it to see if there's actually still something in there, let's clean it first. We don't have to x-ray it more than once. So she stuck that tube inside my hand with some solution in there that would clean it, and just started to what she called flush it. Um, I don't remember how loud I screamed or yelled, but I think it was pretty loud. And uh, it's all healed up now. A little scar there, everything works fine. But that cleansing was very, very painful. And uh, so I think that's what I was feeling. And, and I don't want to forget it. I don't want to lay it down. I don't want to move on from it. But... I do want to praise God. I want to think about his omnipotence. Uh, and, and when you think about that, you really realize that's all there is. God really is all there is. So the word omnipotent, I said that, it, it appears in the Bible one time, but it is translated from a Greek word. I wrote it down here. doesn't really matter. I'm not going to try to pronounce it. And that Greek word is in the New Testament ten times. Of the ten times, uh, eight, of, eight of those times, it's in Revelation. There's another time it's in 2 Corinthians. Well, nine times it's omnipotent. But the other ten times it's translated as almighty. So we have God almighty. And this psalm that I read when I started out here, Psalm 33, talks about the word of the Lord. And in those verses, Lord tr is translated from the Hebrew word Jehovah. So we have Almighty, which is a supreme being, and we have Jehovah, which is the name of God, which means that he is the supreme being. So I'm making that connection there, that this all power or omnipotent, meaning having unlimited power. Just think about that for a little bit. Unlimited power. Um, he's almighty. It's, it's kind of hard to describe, but... If you have some power over anything, just think about that. Um, 
and, and I, I think I went to this in the idea of praising because I'm a male and so power is, is very fascinating to me. But when, when you think about God in all of his attributes, uh, omniscient, he knows everything, omnipresent, he's everywhere, that would take a lot of power to do those things. It just really seemed like to me when I started to consider to praise God that omnipotent, ultimate, unlimited power was really uh, who he is. And then I realized that all these words that I'm thinking about to try to define God, God defines those words. We have words in our language. You think about omnipotent, that's God. If you want to know what omnipotent is, think about God. And you can see I'm kind of starting to run out of stuff to talk about here because he's, he's so powerful. I don't even think we can understand it totally. But it is worth thinking about, and it will then encourage you. In, in fact, you'll be kind of like I was, compelled to praise him just because he's so powerful. Um, so some more words that God defines. We're not going to define God. God defines these words. One is holy which I would define holy, not God. Well, yeah, we can, I guess. As perfectly excellent. Holy is perfectly excellent. God is holy. God defines holy. If we want holiness, we need to listen to the word of God. Here, here's a fascinating one. There's a couple more here that, that start to go two ways, I'll call it. Terrible. God is terrible. Psalm 66, 5. Let's, let's read it. It's just one verse. Turn over to Psalm 66, verse 5. Come and see the works of God. He is terrible in his doing toward the children of men. When you think of God and you think of terrible, what, how does that make you feel? Is God terrible? Terrible can be frightful and dreadful, or, depending on where you're at in relation to your God, it can be admirable and formidable, which would go right along with this ultimate, unlimited, powerful, supreme being. Then it causes me to have all. I think, um, I didn't write down the psalm. There's a psalm that has something about all. And then we have the word that, that floats around fairly regularly in our day is awesome. Uh, God is awesome. And when we have all or reverential fear. So I'm, I'm coming up with these, these words and they're, it is really kind of black and white. If I fear God, I can reverence him or I can be afraid of him. It. it like when we read the, the, the Psalms and it says to fear God, like it did in Psalm 33 there, um, we don't need to be scared of him unless we do. Uh, it just depends on where you're at with him. I don't know where you're at. I, I know what you tell me. You don't know where I'm at. You know what I tell you. What do you have inside? What, how does that make you feel? If you're if you're told to fear God, if you're told to awe or have awe for God to stand in awe, I think as Psalm 33 said, um, God is sovereign. And, and here again, this is kind of restating. He possesses ultimate power. It, it's kind of hard to explain how, how this makes me feel um, when I'm thinking about all this stuff. 
because it's just so big. It's just so much. And, and, and he's our God. So thinking about the power, let's, let's turn to Psalm uh, 33. And let's use this as a little bit of an outline to just see, see what God's doing. And I think it can bring us to where I am hoping to get to here. Um, so Psalms 33, and in verse 6, that's where I started reading earlier. God spoke the heavens into existence. So by his speaking, like I'm standing here speaking to you today, that's all he did. He just spoke. And, and I, I can't really tell you what that power is like, but by your voice, you can't really make something happen. I can tell one of my children to do something, but they have to decide to go do it. Um, so I can speak the words, and I can get a little, I can, you know, I'm a man, deeper voice, I can get a little gruff and say, hey, get it done. But they have to decide to do it. My voice doesn't have the power, the ultimate unlimited power that God has. But it talks about it, in Psalm 33, that not only did he speak the heavens into existence, but he breathed the stars. So he didn't even have to make words. Then he had to make a sound, just whew, there goes all the stars. Or does that say the host of the heaven? Taking that to be the stars, the moon, the sun, where we get all of our heat. I, ultimate, ultimate power. And then we're told, like, like we talked about, to fear God. And, and here again, I, I see this as two different ways. You can fear God in reverence and awe, or you can fear him as an expectation of evil or impending danger. And of course, we know why it would be dangerous for us to approach a holy, powerful God is because the wages of sin is death. So on the fear topic, Proverbs 9 verse 10 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. I'm, I'm kind of at a loss to describe all this stuff about God. I, I just want you to really keep thinking about him in this ultimate power. And in, in your life, um, well, anyway, let's keep going. Verse 9 again, it starts talking about a couple things. I, I think this relates to creation, but it says God spoke and he commanded. I think this is rever referencing Genesis chapter 1. And so I went through and, and read through that, and that's, that's pretty familiar to us all. The six days of creation and on the seventh day rested. God rested. In those six days, God said, there, there's the verses, and God said eight times. And the world as we know it, as well as man as we know it, was created. All he did was speak. He spoke words. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. So whatever was there before that, which we really don't know except for God was there, all those things just, just jumped up and came into existence. And he also gave three commands during that, and probably other things too, but he gave three commands. I think they were about being fruitful and multiplying. And one of them was to the animals, and they did, they do. And then I like these next verses in Psalm 33, uh, 10. 
talks about the Lord bringeth the counsel of the heathen to naught. He maketh the devices of the people of none effect. Sometimes I'm glad for that. Um, if there is a person that is, is working something against me, I'm, I'm glad to have God who can make the devices of people of none effect. I also thought about when I looked at this, well, before we get to that, a couple other examples of making the devices of none effects. Think about Esther in the Old Testament. The book of Esther, where one of the king's top men, Haman, had this great plan that he was going to go destroy all the Jews. And God was so far ahead of him that he had already, he already had Esther in place to make the devices of Haman of none effect. It was pretty close, but close don't count. Um, in Daniel, all the king's men said, Daniel, you, you can't pray to your God. You can't do that. They threw him in the lion's den. They had these hungry lions that were going to eat him. And God made the devices of men in his ultimate power with these hungry animals of none effect. In the New Testament, um, this, is a, this is a fun one to think about. The, uh, Stephen. Stephen preached the word of God mightily. And uh, I, I'm sure here, and it's Saul. Saul was the other person kind of there. He was possibly over the, the stoning of Stephen. But uh, Stephen died. And I'm still saying that God made the devices of men of none effect because he said uh, that he seen Jesus at the right hand of the Father in his death. He continued to testify to the power and the goodness of God. I thought about, I assume that a lot of you watch the news, and I, I um, am fascinated by a good courtroom drama. Our nation watched a case this week, and I find our legal system to be kind of interesting. When I, when I look at it, you, you hear about, it's the Rittenhouse trial that I'm talking about. There was a man last year that shot and killed two men and shot another and wounded him. And here a year later, we're still trying to work this out. And I don't think that at the end of that trial, we really changed just a whole lot of people's opinions. But what we have is men killing each other and we are finding a way, I think, to say that's okay. That's self-defense. Um, I am thankful to have a God. I don't have the answer for that one. I really don't know what I think. It kind of yanks me both ways. But I'm thankful to have an omnipotent God that I know is in charge of all of this. So this is kind of where I wanted to get to, to bring this home down to verse 11, where the counsel of the Lord stands forever. We have the word of God that for years men have tried to destroy they have, you, you can look back in history, they've burnt, burnt all the books, they've tried to get rid of it. You weren't even allowed to have your own copy in some places. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The thoughts of his heart to all generations. So think about this powerful God. He's omnipotent. He's perfectly excellent. He's formidable and admirable. What are the thoughts of his heart? What's in God's heart? towards all generations. I'm taking that pretty personal. I think God's thinking about me. 
He created every one of us. He had the power to do that. In Genesis, he spoke it. And then then he created my wife. You know, you you can read about all that in in Genesis, how the the first family uh, came into being. So, in, in doing that, in his breath that he breathed into me, he gave me some of his power. The Spirit of God, where does it live? Inside of us. The Spirit of God is inside of us, and he has so much power that... And there's the stars that you can... We, we haven't seen them all, more than likely. So he gave me some of his power, and I abused it. I didn't do a very good job with it. I sinned against him. Why didn't he, with all this power, strike me down, you're gone, and speak another one right over there? We'll just clean this up. This is done. The only answer that I can come up with is he loved me just because he created me, because I'm his son. I I make this personal by last week, my son Harrison turned 12. And on Wednesday, on his birthday, I think I was just as excited as he was. And the only reason why is just because he's my son. And it's his birthday. And he's 12. Um, I like to see all of the, the, the growth in everything that he does. But I know that's in the power of God. And the main reason for my excitement is because he's my son. So God thinks about us in an omnipotent or unlimited powerful way. He is the father. Um, and, and that gives me great hope. Um, Isaiah 55, 9 says that God's ways are higher than our ways. And his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. We, we can't find them out. So I, I feel like I'm almost standing up here babbling a little bit about all of this because it's just so big. And when I started out, when I started thinking about this, okay, so you're going to stand in front of a group of people and talk on Sunday um, at a church of, of believers, and, and what are you going to talk about? I'm going to talk about praising God. Yeah, I, I feel like uh, back when we were in uh, the, the primary Sunday school class of the six- and seven-year-olds, and you would read a story that maybe wasn't popular in the, in the children's books. Um, I was trying to think of one, and I didn't write anything down. But you would ask the children, okay, so like the time where Moses had to raise up his hands while the children of Israel were in battle, and if, and if his arms went down, they would lose, and if they were up, they would, he would win. So if you were to ask one of those children, say, who held his arms up? We learned this over several stories at our time in that class, that children six or seven, the first answer in Sunday school is always God. Well, I'm looking for something else. You're right. I'm looking for something else just specific to this story. Hands go up again, pretty eager. Jesus. Okay, yep, I believe that too. And in fact, but I'm really talking about this specific story here. Well, then, hand goes up. Holy Spirit, yeah, yeah, you got it. Um, I, think, I think we need to work on it. But I think we need to be as little children. That's in Matthew, I believe. Um, be converted and become as little children. And when the heaviness comes, whatever it is, um, 
follow the scriptures, confess your sins. God's faithful and just to forgive him, but just praise him for who he is. Just meditate on how powerful he really is. And I've stood up here for nearly a half an hour now, I think, and I'm not even sure we put a scratch on the surface of the, the topic of, of God defining omnipotence and holiness. So I want to read one more thing, maybe kind of turn the corner from this a little bit. Open your Bibles to 1 Kings chapter 19. Uh, this is the story of Elijah. First Kings chapter 19, look for verse 9. So Elijah has, has experienced this great victory. He slew all the prophets of Baal after God had rained down fire that drank up water. I haven't seen that happen yet. So that's pretty powerful too. He's experienced this great victory and now he's off hiding in a cave. So verse 9, And he came thither unto a cave and lodged there. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and he said unto him, What doest thou here, Elijah? And he, Elijah, said, I have been very jealous of the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword, and I, even I, am only am left. And they seek my life to take it away. And he, God, said, Go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind rent the mountains and break in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind, and after the wind an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake, and after the earthquake a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire, and after the fire a still small voice. And it was so, when Elijah heard it, that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entering of the cave. And behold, there came a voice unto him, and he said, What doest thou here, Elijah? You have the power of God inside of you. Has the still small voice of God ever asked you, What are you doing here? Sometimes I'm somewhere I'm not supposed to be, and I hear that question, What are you doing here? Sometimes I'm just being lazy, and somebody needs something, and God says, What are you doing here? Sometimes I'm doing everything I think is right. Um, you know, I'm at my job uh, or, or at home, and God says, what are you doing here? In the, or under the idea of this omnipotent God, I think he continues to ask us, what are you doing here? What am I doing with the power that he has given me. I want to conclude here. Um, and I think a good summary. Of what we talked about. Let's just read Psalm 33 again. Starting at verse 1. Rejoice in the Lord. O ye righteous. For praise is comely for the upright. Praise the Lord with harp. Sing unto him with psaltery. And an instrument of ten strings. 
Sing unto him a new song, play skillfully with a loud voice, for the word of the Lord is right, and all his works are done in truth. He loveth righteousness and judgment. The earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, and all the hosts of them by the breath of his mouth. He gathered the waters of the sea together as a heap. He laid up the depth in storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him, for he spake, and it was done. He commanded, and it stood fast. The Lord bringeth the counsel of the heathen to naught. He maketh the devices of the people of none effect. The counsel of the Lord standeth forever, the thoughts of his heart to all generations. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, and the people whom he hath chosen for his own inheritance. The Lord looketh from the heaven. He beholdeth all the sons of men. From the place of his habitation he looketh upon all the inhabitants of the earth. He fashioneth their hearts alike. He considereth all their works. There is no king saved by the multitude of an host. A mighty man is not delivered by much strength. A horse is a vain thing for safety, neither shall he deliver any by his great strength. Behold, the eye of the Lord is upon them that fear him, upon them that hope in his mercy to deliver their soul from death and to keep them alive in famine. Our soul waiteth for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. For our heart shall rejoice in him because we have trusted in his holy name. Let thy mercy, O Lord, be upon us according as we have hope in thee. Let's go to prayer.